This is Violet and Freddie from Camden Community Radio, and this is Tearing Us Apart. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> yes, this is Tearing Us Apart, a show in which we are going to dig inside the human minds, inside the minds of us all, and find out uh, what's in there and uh, what makes us who we are. And this first episode, we want to look back at a story of um, psychologists who, during the Second World War in Britain, who were doing some devious digging into the human mind. And and to understand this story, the first thing we need to do is understand a little bit about the theory of a Swiss psychologist called Carl Jung and his idea of the collective unconscious, which was a kind of mystical, controversial, but also very important idea. It boils down to believing that the deepest and most powerful component of the personality is the collective unconscious, and that what's in the collective unconscious is a kind of accumulation of past memories throughout human history, throughout the entire evolutionary past of humans. And he called it the deposit of ancestral experience from untold millions of years, the echo of prehistoric world events to which each century adds an infinitesimally small amount of variation and differentiation. So, um, yeah, really, when you're born, you're not born entirely blank of ideas. There's some ideas that are passed on through all of us and we all share this subconscious level this collective subconscious level it's the same for all of us it's the same in you it's the same in me and these ideas he called them archetypes um and his theory was that they kind of reside in your subconscious as these images these small pictures or images and something in real life might match one of those images and that triggers this thought that you're never even conscious that you're having but some something is triggered inside you so for instance one of them is the archetype the image of the mother and he said that kind of bound up in that image is all the feeling of attachment to the mother and that that's why we have attachment to the mother so someone who has never known their mother just wouldn't get that the image would still exist for them but they the image would never be brought up for great. Them because they don't have the matching image yes in their life. great great that, that, <laughs> that is that's it and that's what um they are actually looking for someone to attach it to and what Jung said about dreams why this was good that you said that was what you said about <laughs> dreams was that we tend to dream about the archetypes and the images that aren't being fulfilled so they right. come up to us in dreams so that person would in theory be very likely to be having dreams about the mother image. Let me play you a clip of Carl talking about this. It is quite certain that uh, man is born with a certain functioning, a certain way of functioning, a certain pattern of behavior. And uh, that is expressed in the form of archetypal images or archetypal forms, for instance. Falling in love at first sight, that is such a case. You see, you have a certain image in yourself without knowing it of the woman, of the woman. Now you see that girl, or at least a good imitation of your type. And instantly you get a seizure and you're you're gone. And afterwards you may discover that it was a hell of a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's him trying to explain some archetypes. That idea of the collective unconscious is exactly what, well, very similar to the theory that 
three former Cambridge students were trying to prove at the end of World War II. So in 1937, poet Charles Madge, filmmaker Humphrey Jennings, and anthropologist Tom Harrison. So you've already, I mean, you've got a good basis for a scientific project there. They founded Mass Observation, which was a social research organization that just wanted to kind of look at everyday life in Britain. And so what they did was they got 500 untrained volunteers, which was, you know, important, to observe the British population while, um, and they just like keep diaries and answer surveys and things like that. I won't go into too much detail here because we are going to talk about that in the next episode. Oh yeah, we hope we are. Yes. Well, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) We're still here. I've got high hopes. (laughs) I've got high hopes of two. Uh, But one of the things that they got people to record was dreams. Right, yeah. Um, So this was obviously done by the participants. They didn't have uh, people listening in. But um, the three men theorized that, according to, well, very much based in Jung's theory, that the pervading social norms and anxieties of that time were rooted in, in that collective unconscious in the form of images. Dominant images would emerge from a shared unconscious and those informed everything from like your personal grooming to like the way you decorated your home uh to when you went to the movies and like what kind of movies you watched and that sort of thing right okay um so they were basically yeah they wanted to prove that there was like an underlying meaning to our actions as people interesting so the mass observation dream project was primarily headed up by harrison who's the anthropologist and we have some extracts from the dream diaries that paint a very vivid picture of the time when they were taken because it all started in the lead up to World War II. Um, so it started in 1937 and these dream diaries cover, um, I'm pretty, I think, from 1938 through to 1949, the mm. study went on. So they genuinely believed that they would find patterns across mm-hmm. all these dreams coming in from across the country. And the, those similarities and those patterns mm-hmm. would, would show them the uh, shared images. So that's what they were looking for. And spoiler, uh, I think, yeah, they, they, they haven't. I think we'd know, <laughs> we'd know we'd have heard if they did. But some of what they did gather uh, is, is fascinating. Um, so uh, this report we've read kind of starts from um, some slightly disappointing dreams For instance, people would say that they were regretful for not having uh, satisfied uh, what they were being demanded of them by having these these big, uh, meaningful dreams. They'd say, uh, I feel I've missed your point. I am not getting at some of the public images you want. Uh, That was a man who said that in 1937. Uh, A woman in 37 as well said um, of her dream that it was unsatisfactory. I'm sorry. I don't think I could make my image intelligible to anybody else. So they, they were aware that they were kind of failing in this search <laughs> to find deep, or they at least they thought they were failing. Then another uh, woman wrote in to say uh, at the start of her dream, she said, if there were dreams to sell, what would you buy? Dreams I wouldn't buy. Which is very poetic. That's nice. Is that a poem? Not, I don't know. It's just sort of, she just wrote that at the start, which kind of makes you, you know, what were the, the people taking part in this survey? I think mm. are fascinating. And then uh, people were very aware of Freud, clearly, while they were doing this survey. So they'd say, um, they'd say, this dream is completely daft and contains no sense, but I tremble to think what terrible Freudian complex it may show. <laughs> oh, so I there, really want to know what her dream <laughs> yeah, was, I know. though. <laughs> um, this one I really liked. It just says, they don't say who it was. They just say, a female correspondent, 1940, 
Um, my dreams have changed enormously, and this was in 1940. Previously, if I dreamt at all, it was quite innocuous. But since the war began, my dreams have become so erotic, it horrifies me sometimes. <laughs> I dream so much more often than usual, and oh boy, do I dream. Um, I think we would have been friends. She I sounds think, great. Yeah. <laughs> the And this is what I think they found, was they thought they'd have all sorts of really significant dreams about the war. Mm-hmm. And generally, people just kept on dreaming like they'd always been dreaming. But there were some more... There were the dreams about Hitler. And these are uh, kind of really fascinating. This is a, a man of 60 who wrote this in 1939. I dreamt that Hitler was going to be hung and that I was in charge of the proceedings. There was a carriage and a troop of soldiers waiting for me, but I was worried as to whether I should wear a lounge suit or evening dress. I asked someone who said, evening dress, certainly. Which I just, yeah. It's just, and that's it. That's it. That was the dream. <laughs> I dreamt, this was from a female correspondent in 1939. I dreamt that Hitler was kissing me. I had a feeling of disgust as I saw his beady eyes and his small moustache coming towards me, but my disgust didn't last. Later in the dream, I thought he was making a fuss of my son, who seemed like a little boy again of ten years old. He began to cry, and I remember that I had heard that Hitler had a reputation for liking boys, and I was going to kill him. Hmm. I then saw him as one of a crowd in a big railway station. I was grateful to find that it was said in a dream book that all would be well if you dreamt an enemy was kissing you. There was a guy who did um, like a scientific article on the study, um, and particularly the dreams called Tyrus Miller. And he said that one of the reasons why he thought the experiment didn't work, I mean, other than the fact that it was not scientific in any way, was that the people who agreed to do the study were already kind of predisposed to kind of read into dreams. And so because they were already reading into dreams and thinking about them so much, you couldn't really get an accurate study because their dreams would obviously then be what they were thinking about during the day. So he was like, well, that's kind of, that's one thing that maybe threw you off because you do get these like amazing responses from people and they are the kind of people who send you their interpretations along with it, like uh, when they're just meant to be a sample study. Um, And the other thing he said was that um, at the very start of the whole mass observation project, they were like, we need to know these things on mass. Like, we're not talking about the individual here. We're talking about collective society. And they started out, I think they started out with 200 that they started with. Then only about half of them actually reported having dreams. And then only, I think only about 20 participants actually had dreams about the war. And so like the whole thing kind of just started falling apart because once you've got such small numbers, you obviously can't kind of make the kind of claims that they were wanting to make. I, I So this guy, I read that as well, Tyrus Miller, he says that this thing was a failure. And they clearly thought it was a failure themselves mm. because I don't know what, they they must have set their bar really high. Um, I, I, I'd love to see the actual, I'd love to go and be allowed into the, the archive itself, which is yeah, held down in Sussex and, and, and see these because like... Yeah, that guy, the guy with the who's worrying about evening dress when he's about to mm. hang Hitler. There is, I feel like there is something there. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Um, or, or the dream about kissing Hitler and then the fear about the boy and Hitler abusing a young boy. I wonder, yeah. all of those, I wonder if they do tell us an awful lot about the time. Um, whereas maybe the study was done in that time and mm-hmm. maybe even the scientists were kind of blind to maybe some of the things that these dreams were saying about the time. So yes, I I don't know. I I think maybe they should go maybe we could go back and and find the the hidden images. I just I want to see the um the guy who posted his letter with the chewing gum to there was a guy who apologized for 
uh, sending his notes over and having to use chewing gum to stick them together. Yeah. That's what I want to see. <laughs> right, so it's time to move on. So they failed, and then we've uh, decided to start our own mass observation of two, uh, <laughs> where we've brought in our own dreams. <laughs> in and the true spirit of the original in study. In the true spirit of the original study. Where we mass will, of two. <laughs> mass of two. We are going to search for um, signs of our own. To be honest... Uh-huh. In terms of looking for the collective unconscious in my view, one thing that I remain confused about is exactly how I would tell if the collective unconscious was in my dreams. What does it? I guess th- I'd have had to have dreamt the same. If thing we dreamt as the same you. thing, I think that's basically what it comes down to. So we yeah. s- we spent the last week monitoring our dreams. I only well, I had like three. I had like two, but one of them I didn't write down because I just didn't quite know what it was. There was just like. I don't know, a demon or something, but like nothing happened. It was just oh. like, it was just like an image that I had. Oh, man. And I woke up from that it and perfect. I was like, I immediately was like, I need to write that down. And then I was like, I don't know what my brain was even thinking of. I just know that it was there. Oh, this sounds um, like the one that got away. This <laughs> it like might be. I'll try and proper, conjure the demon this again. This sounds another like a time. proper image from the collective unconscious. So. <laughs> oh, well, let's see what you've got. It started in a pub because that's where the best dreams start. And then I was with my parents and Anthony Hopkins like randomly came in and like said hi to my dad and then sat down (laughs) at a separate table. Uh, He played no further part in the dream. Then I was thinking about, I think about aesthetics a lot in my dreams. Oh, really? Is what I've realized because I was in the pub and I was like, this is a really ugly pub, Uh but it doesn't really matter because the atmosphere is so good. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. I always think about like, Hmm, do I like where I am? I randomly went to a pharmacy and I was like, oh, I should probably like try and make friends with the people in this pharmacy and <laughs> decided that was a stupid idea and left. And then um, there was a middle-aged guy who was skateboarding really fast past me and other pedestrians because I was walking through London at uh-huh. this point and I was like, like really feeling really angry with this guy on his skateboard. And then he started coming back and I just shoved his arm so that he fell off his skateboard. And then he got really angry at me. And I was just standing there looking at him like, you shouldn't be endangering other people's lives. Mm. Um, I kept walking and walking and walking. And then I started running. And I was running for a really long time. And then I looked I looked at my phone because I had like Strava or something on my phone. And it told me I'd run 80 miles. And I was right on the coast of England. Wow. And the coast of England looked like Miami. Okay. And I was there. And I just remember thinking like... Again, how beautiful it looked. But then when I woke up, I was like, that was really ugly. Like, it was really ugly. It was like a massive, almost like freeway. And on the other side of the street, there was like the ocean and like palm trees. But I didn't have that layer of like Uh, judgment in the dream. (laughs) Okay. I that I wasn't going to tell you about this dream, but I had a little, (laughs) I have a, I had a. A uh, A demon dream. I have a uh, semi-recurring dream. Okay. uh, which is also about running a very long way on an island. Okay. Yeah, so maybe we have struck upon an Oh, image. my God. We're I, all running away from something. <laughs> I, I, I have a dream about being... My grand used to live on the Isle of Wight, but I'm on the Isle of Wight, but it's much bigger than it, it is in reality in my dreams. There's mountains, and it's a, a big, empty landscape, but with, like, coast, like towns on the coast. And huh. I have to run... Because I've messed up the ferry. A lot of my dreams actually come down to missing trains and ferries. Yeah, I uh, miss. I am late for everything yeah. in my dreams. And in this but... dream, I'm always having to run uh, across the length of the country, which is always and it's quite the weather is dark and oppressive, 
and um, although everything should be wonderful, it's a it's a it's a sort of nightmare scenario, and I'm exhausted and having to run very very far. So maybe huh. we did find one of the images. <laughs> maybe. What does? So but what then does what do we do from here? I don't know. We running around an island. Is it to do with Brexit? Who could say? <laughs> <laughs> running around in circles. Uh, yeah, it could be trying to get off an island. Yeah, or, trying to or leave. looking at the edges. Always looking at the edges yeah. of the island. What is arriving to... at the coast and not being able to get mm, any further? Mm, yes, ah, it's Brexit. It's Brexit. Brexit. Okay. <laughs> um, did I have any other dreams of any note? Um, the short answer is I had dreams about um, becoming the father of twins, uh, get, uh, uh, becoming covered in baby's poo um, <laughs> and uh, a, a knife fight and uh, looking for a building on its side. You have a very active dream imagination. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. But I think the running around the island one was... Um, yeah, yeah was I'm always the... trying to get away from things in my dream. That probably says more about me than it does about the collective unconscious. But so what I would, if we were to take the collective unconscious, to wrap this up, if we were to think about this collective unconscious and this idea, that would be amazing if you and me had had a dream about running round an island, not because of anything that happened in our individual personal lives, but Mm -hmm. because of some shared moment. Nomadic thing in the collective deep inside us that's being triggered maybe by what's happening in the world we live in today and we were seeing it in our dream yeah where would that leave us where would that leave us i think we need a sample study of more than two to confirm (laughs) (laughs) next time let us know (laughs) marion have you had any dreams about running around an island this week no marion says no (laughs) that didn't help (sighs) All right, then. Well, that's a wrap. Yes.